0: I have been in this business for almost 10 years now and following the women that were really good back then and are still really good now like the longevity, all of them are producing content on a consistent basis.
1: Welcome back to the show. As always, my deepest, deepest gratitude to you guys. It means the world to me to see you guys sharing this with your friends and letting me know how much it's just helping you with wherever you're at. I love to know so that I can really have my finger on the pulse and create content that you guys want. I want to interview people that you want to hear from and I want to talk about topics that you want to know. So before I get into today's podcast, I also want to remind you that I have my book tour coming up and I really cannot wait to be in the rooms with you. So if you are in Chicago, if you're in Austin, if you're in Atlanta, or if you're in Nashville, I would love for you to share this with your friends. Let them know that you're going or let your friends know who are there, even if you're not in the city. Uh, It's a beautiful evening of connection and of tribe, of pictures, of fun, of laughs, of really connecting back to yourself and connecting with other people. I'm telling you, magic will happen. If you show up, I am certain of that because after watching all of these sold out events and being in rooms with thousands of women, it's probably one of the most beautiful things I've ever gotten to experience. So that's why I'm doing a round two is because I had a blast and it was truly one of the most fun things I have ever done in my life. So I want you to be a part of that as well. Round two of the book tour, you can go to a atribecalledbliss.com right now to get your ticket. Make sure you go quickly because we did sell out on the last round of the book tour. So, okay. My guest today. I've been following this woman for a while and we have so many mutual friends and I already knew that I... Loved this woman. I could tell I just really authentically loved who she showed up as online. And I heard so many beautiful things about her from my friends. So, you know, that feeling when you are like, I don't know you, but truly we have so many shared uh, mutual friends that I kind of feel like you're just already, you know, in my heart. So, I want to introduce you to Amy Porterfield. She is an online marketing expert and educator and the host of the top ranked podcast Online Marketing Made Easy. Go follow that. Amy has worked with mega brands like Harley Davidson, Peak Performance Coach, Tony Robbins, where she oversaw the content development team and collaborated on groundbreaking online marketing campaigns. Through her best selling marketing courses, thriving social media community, and popular podcast, Amy and inspires a grounded, tangible, and self-affirming sense of, wow, I can really do this. So this is for over 250,000 online entrepreneurs she's done this for. She proves that by moving away from step-by-step into action-by-action, even the newest online entrepreneur can bypass overwhelm and self-doubt. And instead, generate exciting momentum as they move closer to building a life and business they love. And truly, I can't even begin to tell you how much this actual podcast and conversation helped me during a launch of my courses. So if you've ever done any products, if you have something coming up, if you ever want to sell something online, or if you're just curious about how it works, this is absolutely the podcast that you want to listen to. So let's get started. Amy, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here as well. Okay, guys, everybody listening, I just want to tell you that Amy's one of those people for me that we were just talking about. We feel like we've met, but we've never met. And I don't (laughs) think we've ever actually talked besides like via Instagram. But I feel like I know you because I have so many friends who we share um, just mutual connections and people who... Adore you. So I kind of already have that space in my heart where I'm like, oh, I to- she's totally a soul sister. So I just I love what you do. I love how you're helping people and how you show up. And I went to your page and I saw that you had champagne immediately on your page. I'm like, and she likes bubbles. It's just <laughs> and she has a goal. She has a- <laughs> labradoodle. Labradoodle. Yes. So yes. I was like, oh my God. It's amazing. <laughs> um, so, Amy, thank you so much for coming on the show today and taking the time because I also have another funny story. So, my brother in law, who does all of my um, marketing for me, knew that you were coming on the show and he's like, Oh my God, I love her. She's got such valuable stuff. She's so good. I've gone to her page <gasps> a bunch. <laughs>
0: Okay, I love that. Tell him I said thank you so very much.
1: I will. It's so funny because <laughs> he was downstairs, and I go, "Any last thing I should ask Amy before I get her on?" <laughs> he's and
0: I love awesome. that your brother-in-law does your marketing. That's so cool to keep it all in the family.
1: Oh my god! You know what? And this is such. This will pertain to the podcast as well for what we are really about to dive into. But it's like in the beginning, setting up your team is so challenging because you don't even know what you're looking for. So sometimes it's about making sure you have somebody who already knows what they're doing. But other times, you know, we hired him for right where we were at and he kind of knew the stuff with that, but he was so willing to learn that he ended up being such a better option um, than hiring someone way out of our pay range back in the day. Um, And just kind of like growing with that. So it's been a really, I mean, growth looks so different
0: for everyone, doesn't it? Yes, it really does. And you're, you're so right about sometimes you don't even know what you need or who you should be hiring for what. And sometimes the people just grow into the positions. I know it's not always works out that way, but sometimes it's golden.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh my God, th- that could branch off into a whole other conversation. Right so, right. so let's start with that. You know, I know that you do... I went to your... When I was really looking at your website, it's so clear and concise, which I think number one is so beautiful for when people are at the beginning phases of wanting to start a business, really having an idea in that period of, I have this idea, I don't even know, you know, where do I begin? Do I begin with email? Do I begin with Instagram? What's going on in this world? So I wanna actually cover the three phases that you talk about, which correct me if I'm wrong, but it's kind of like new to launching online in the online marketing world. And then when you, phase two would be like, momentum when you're catching momentum people are interested in what you have maybe you're getting um sales and you're you know maybe they're becoming really interested in what you're doing and then the third phase sounds like scaling faster you've got momentum you know what you're doing but you're kind of like okay how do I make this bigger now yes exactly okay which is so exciting because I I was literally like, okay, well, I'm going to ask all these on this one because this is where I'm at, right? (laughs) Because no matter what phase of business that we're in, I'm telling you, it's uncharted territory and everything is changing like all of the time and you're changing. So along with that, I thought it'd be great to talk about the woman you've had to become in each phase, like something that's really either challenged you and come, you know, really made you look at different parts of your life. So in phase one, I just want you to talk maybe to the person Who exactly are we talking to when we say new to the online world?
0: A lot of people that are new to the online world come to this space with so much skill and so much knowledge. Just they don't know the online space. So what I've noticed is that I've worked with a lot of women who come out of really cool jobs, whether they be known names like Microsoft and Google, or they've just worked in their their sphere of excellence for a really long time, whether they've been a teacher for 20 years or anything, actually. But they're coming to the table with a lot of skills and a lot of knowledge, just not having any clue really how to grow an email list or how to create an online course and don't even get them started with a webinar because they have no clue where to start. And what I've noticed about this group is that you can instantly feel like you don't know anything. Because when you look at building a business online, it feels very foreign, like a totally different language. So there's a lot of confidence boosting that needs to happen in that just getting started phase. Because a lot of the women I work with feel like, Oh my gosh, I'm starting from ground zero again. And I'm there to say, You're really not. It's just that you've got to learn something from scratch. And that is a scary, scary feeling.
1: Mm. I mean... I you just I literally feel that way all of the time and I feel like it can be you can know so much about your expertise but then you bring it somewhere else and it can literally be debilitating like it can so many things stopped me in the beginning phases Because you get so overwhelmed by the whole picture instead of focusing on one thing. So what are some of the first steps that someone would take in order to start moving through? Honestly, it's just moving through the emotion. It's not even like, I don't know what to do. It's just the emotional, um, like you said, building that confidence, moving through the emotions of overwhelm.
0: Yes. So a lot of the times they will say to me, I don't even know where to start. And there are so many different things that you can do strategy wise. But I think emotionally, one of the things you need to be really careful of is protecting your space. And what happens in that stage is you compare yourself to everybody and everything. And I always remind those that I work with that you are comparing the back end of your business where you know everything that looks like a total mess at the time the back end of your business to the front end of somebody else's business. Mm. Very deceiving. And so you have no idea how long it took them to get there, how long they've been growing their business and what they've been doing. And you don't know all the details. So comparing yourself to what other people are doing online literally can be the death of you. And so it strips you of all confidence, all passion in what you're doing. So if you got to get the mindset right, right from the get-go, get into the practice of looking at what other people are doing and just like congratulating them, cheering them on and then kind of stepping away, putting your head down and getting your work done. Because I do think that's a big thing that happens, especially in the early phases.
1: Mm, Yes. What do you think is most important in the early phases? Is it just getting your stuff out there to start seeing money come in or is it making sure that you first have the support that you need? What would you say is one of the most important things that you can do that will help
0: break you through to phase two? So one of the most important things you can do is getting down the habit of creating consistent original content. Mm. So I always say it's either a blog or a podcast or a video show. But I have been in this business for almost 10 years now. And following the women that were really good back then and are still really good now, like the longevity... All of them are producing content on a consistent basis. Mm -hmm. And that is a big deal. So, if you can kind of hold on in terms of making a lot of money right from the get go, Mm -hmm. maybe taking one or two clients to pay the bills, but actually looking at the platform and saying, Okay, I'm going to start creating consistent content on a weekly basis. And with that, I'm going to hone in on my message. I'm going to listen more than I talk to figure out who my ideal customer avatar is and really figure out their needs. If you can stay in that content creation, for even a good six months before you really decide on the core programs you want to sell and core services, it will serve you well. So I think that's one of the most important steps from the get go.
1: Oh, I love that. Cause I can literally find myself over and over in that phase. And even when I'm reinventing myself or pivoting, that's like been my one through line saving grace for real is like just consistently speaking, creating, and connecting and having my like finger on the pulse of who am I talking to? Because if I just went in and said, okay, well, I don't want to do this anymore, but tried to create something new. I wouldn't even like, I wouldn't even know where to go, but there's like this through line that's been consistency around putting things out. I love that you said that because it's saved me. Like whether it's been, you know, consistent Facebook lives or the podcast or something like, Plus, you're always in people's mind. You're always in people's mind. So even if you don't have a program, it's kind of like you're still out there connecting with people completely. Yep. I'm right there on the same page. Oh, I love that. So let's move into when you're ready to um, or, or next phases, which kind of like tell me about what the next phase would be. How do you know you're
0: ready for it? What does that look like? So, the next phase would be you are ready to start putting together some offers and you are going to move into a phase where you're making more money. So, revenue becomes something that you're focused on more so than when you first started. I mean, everyone wants to make money out of the gate, but if you can ease into that, it definitely will serve you well because you'll understand your audience more in your message. So, now we're getting into starting to make some money, whether that be you create your first online course or you put together some coaching packages, whatever it might be that you want to do. Now we're focused on selling more. But to get there, to to in order to sell, you've got to have an email list. And so right away, building your email list becomes incredibly important. Now, if you were able to do that a little bit in those early, maybe the first year of business, that's really remarkable. Most people don't get it together enough to start building their list right out of the get- gate. But if you can, awesome. Most of us drag our feet a little bit on this because we're not sure what to give away for free and there's some setup behind it and all that stuff. So once you move into, okay, I've got to make some more money, you realize how valuable building email list really is. And I often say, it's not about thousands and thousands of people on your email list. Even if you have, let's say, 500, but they know you, you take care of them, they can respond to your emails and you answer. Like building that relationship with them, I've known a lot of people that have sold out on coaching programs or selling physical products or whatever it might be with a really small list Mm -hmm. because that list is actually community. There's people behind that name and email and not just a subscriber list that you talk about all the time. Mm -hmm. And so list building becomes incredibly important as you move into, I've got to sell some things. I've got to make some money.
1: Mm, okay. So this goes into the whole like, you are not yet the person who's going to complete each goal yet. Yes. <laughs> so when you're moving from phase one, right? You're just in this, uh, like, honestly, phase one, I was scared of everything. Um,
0: everything. How were you in phase one? Tell me about oh. your phase one. <laughs> I had very little confidence. For me, I was before I had my online business, I worked for Tony Robbins, and so I often tease, I was literally behind someone physically big but also <laughs> like metaphorically big. Yes. And so coming out from behind my computer was is so scary to me. And you don't have to have a job like that to still be scared. Like I was scared of everything. I had zero confidence and there was this little voice in my head that said who are you to be teaching this? Like Mm -hmm. you haven't been doing it long enough or you don't know enough. You're not the expert. Although I had some experience, just like I said, that people coming to their online business, they have some experience to pull from. Mm -hmm. It's just so easy to forget that. So yeah, I was right there with you. So tell me real quick and we'll jump
1: back to it. But what was it? What were you doing before um, Tony Robbins that gave you the experience
0: around marketing? So, I work for Harley Davidson Motorcycles, and I worked at the dealership level, and so I would put on events and rides and um, marketing big promotions. so I got to learn marketing from like people that tattoo the logo on their body. I mean, there was fierce <laughs> loyalty there, so that's where I learned about a tribe and um people really believing in the product and then from there moved on to Robbins and then from there moved on to my own thing
1: okay, so phase one. Huge. I mean, that's huge too to walk away from something that everyone on the outside would be like, wow, okay, you were working with Tony Robbins. Like, why on earth did you leave? And also, there's also a huge pull of like, okay, now you have this desire to be teaching and now you're the front woman. Like, just tell me a tiny bit about that transition. How did you know that it was time?
0: So, I knew it was time when all I wanted to do was call 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 my sh- call the shots. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be my own boss. I didn't want to be on somebody else's time or create content for somebody else. And I didn't even know what kind of content I would create for myself. So it wasn't like I had total clarity or like I knew I was m- born for this mission or this, this passion I was after. I just wanted freedom. So mm-hmm. sometimes I'm embarrassed to say that because it's not like super um, inspirational to everybody else. Like I... I knew I would change lives. That wasn't really the truth. I knew I wanted freedom and I wanted to do my own thing. And I had a voice and I wanted to find it.
1: Mm. No, I love that. I think it's so honest because sometimes it's like we get ashamed of the carrot that's making us want to go to the next yes. level. And oftentimes, my carrot was like, "I'm just in pain right now because I hate where I'm at, so yes. it's got to just be better than where I'm at." And and I think that's reason in itself to start exploring. And that's your your first sign. It's because you're taking up too much space to find you know, what what comes next. I think sometimes those dreams require space and making, yes. making space for that requires a leap before you feel ready, which is pretty much every time. Okay. So phase one is like, I don't know. I'm not confident. I'm not really sure. I just know I can't do what I was doing. And this seems like more of a natural fit a lot of times. And then phase two is you were starting to make money. You kind of worked through a little bit of that. What woman are you now in phase two?
0: So I'm a woman that knows I'm not going back. So in phase one, you're like, oh, I might have to go back to my J-O-B or (laughs) like, this is not going to work out. I think I told my husband like a hundred times, like I have to go get a job. Like this is not working (laughs) after like a really hard day. So when you get in phase two, now you feel like, okay, I I am starting to figure out this online marketing thing. I know that I've had some some successes along the way. Um, maybe I was recognized to speak on stage somewhere, or someone asked me to be on their mm-hmm. podcast. Like I got recognized, and and I'm gonna I can hold my own. Mm-hmm. I'm not exactly sure how it's all gonna happen, but you have this sense of. this is going to work out. And so that helps you to start trying new things, putting out new uh, lead magnets to grow your email list, putting out an offer that maybe only five people take you up on. But when you make your first dollar online, it feels like the whole world is your oyster. Like Mm -hmm. Everything starts to change. So bringing in some money online gives you that confidence and you just stop thinking you're going to have to go backwards. Mm-hmm. Now you're thinking, okay, I just not I'm not sure exactly how I'm going to go forward, but I'm going to do it.
1: Oh man, okay, let's talk about that point because um I I have literally spent so much time in the I don't really know how I'm going to go forward and I started making money and it's kind of like it's so it, there is this point in every phase where it's like plateau land. Oh, yes, yes. (laughs) And you, it's like, you almost don't know how to get out of it because you have to go to a next level or to another scary place. But sometimes again, it's so overwhelming. So I think there's a lot of people, honestly, I think this is going to fall kind of in the middle of where a lot of my people are. Is they're in this phase of, I just really don't know how to make more than I'm making. And I think that this is also a conversation about up-leveling who you are, Um, along with your business. So tell me about what advice you give around
0: that plateau land. (laughs) So with the plateau land, one of the things that helps immensely is if you have surrounded yourself with people that believe in you and are actually doing bigger things than you're doing. So this is something I learned back from my Tony Robbins days. I remember he told this really cool story of surrounding himself with some guys that were just doing really big things. I remember Steve Wynn, the, the Las Vegas mogul, he was doing amazing things and invited him on this trip. And he's like, I don't know, all these guys are bigger than me doing huge things. I just, I feel out of place, but I think I need to be there. Mm. And that's what you need to do. You need to surround yourself with people that are doing amazing things that almost feels out of reach to you, but they're showing you what's possible. You'll also want to surround yourself with people that will pick you up when you are in a puddle on the ground. Usually that is um, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a best friend, a mom, a dad, someone that just believes in you no matter what, and they've seen you at your worst. I think you need both. So mm. When you hit that plateau, these people are going to be coming in and saying, get your butt up, keep moving forward. I'm not letting you slow down. Or the people that are doing bigger things than you, all you need to do is look at what's possible and you need to believe that that's possible for you as well.
1: Mm, I love that. And it couldn't be more. I mean, it is like exactly my life to a T. So, and that's, by the way, that's every phase, right? It's like, right now you and I are in a position of like, Like, I don't want to go to that place right now. That's bigger than me, but I know that I need to. And like, what is it? What
0: is it? (laughs) So true. I'm totally there with you. Yes. So when you were in
1: phase two, if you can remember back to your phase two, what, what were some of your biggest blocks here? And what do you wish you could go back and tell yourself?
0: I wish I could tell myself that every decision I make isn't set in stone and that I'm going to be able to pivot and reinvent myself and do new things. So once you start making money, every decision feels like a really big deal because you don't want to go backwards. Oh my God, yes. (laughs) <laughs> right. And so, whatever you put on your website, yes. the videos that you make, the people you partner with, it just, or the courses that you create, everything feels such like the biggest deal you'll ever make. And then, looking back now, since you and I are both beyond that, it's like, oh my God, it wasn't that big a deal. I wish I experimented more. I wish I allowed myself to make bigger mistakes. I wish I forgave myself quicker when I did make the mistakes and didn't and then for me, I wish i didn't play small in those places where there were opportunities to play big. Mm-hmm. so I want to tell you all that if you 're in that phase right now, you get to make different decisions along the way i 'm in a phase, and i 'm sure we 'll talk about this as we get to the next that there is some reinvention. I am starting to create um, products for different avatars that i 've never worked with before and I'm getting to create products that I never even thought were possible. But I at that time I thought, oh no, this is everything matters right now. Nothing's gonna be different. And that is not the truth.
1: Oh my this was a huge thorn on my side. This was a huge block for me because it was um, you know, thinking that my message on my website or whatnot, you know, when you're creating because you are doing typically when you're in phase two and you want to go to phase three, I feel like you're starting to really invest more. So it was like, I'm putting this big investment into, you know, websites, branding, things like that. And you're like, this is my message. Like, this is like my billboard after I die. Like it's so not ever. (laughs) It's not. And, and I wish I would have just been like, get it up, get it out, see how it feels, see how it's responding. We can change it in a few weeks. (laughs) Like, you know, you you can change it. So That is so freeing to hear that and things will move quicker. I feel like if you can move through those decisions quicker, it's like, oh my God, so much clarity because action steps create clarity. I love that, that you just gave everybody massive freedom. So what's a question? (laughs) What's a question you wish more people in phase two would really ask themselves and analyze in their lives? Or maybe not analyze,
0: just ask. Yes, a question to ask in phase two I actually... This is going to be a little bit weird, but how can I keep things simple? Mm. And the reason for that is I've noticed a lot of my students start wanting... They make a little money online and then they think, well, I should add this product and this coaching program and I should partner with this person. And then I need to redo this and do that. And then all of a sudden, they're doing so many Mm. things that nothing really gets their full attention. And that's when you start seeing that you're starting things, but not finishing them. And that happens a lot in phase two. So you get going with an idea, but then sometimes that nice shiny object over there grabs your attention. And you know that you've got some momentum. You've got a little money in your pocket and you've got some momentum. So that might work or that might work. Things are starting... Light bulbs are starting to go off. But if you slow down a little bit and think, okay... I'm going to work on all of that, but I'm going to finish everything I start. And so for me, what helped me was, I would say, I need to put this on the back burner. I'm going to finish this launch like I said I would, or put together this new coaching program, launch it and be done. And then I can start something new. So if you become the person that finishes what they start, you're going to be a whole lot more in a in a really prime spot to move on to scaling. Oh,
1: that... Okay, so number one, I'm just wondering if you researched me on the what not to do in phase
0: two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, researched All of my myself, research girl. came from
1: Lori Harder's <laughs> path. So.
0: Oh, I hear you. I oh mean, my God. we look back and like you and I probably made so many of these mistakes, but not all of them were necessary. Some mistakes you gotta make and you just mm-hmm. gotta learn from. But there's some stuff that hopefully people are listening and they get to sidestep some of the mistakes and they just work smarter because i know i could have worked smarter in those days
1: uh it's it's so important to i think hear and have a path and also i think that so many of the things we do if if we can really look at why we're doing them too what what was powerful for me is looking back and being able to recognize like so many of the reasons that i i thought that i had to do everything is because someone else was and i just didn't feel enough yet. Like if I, if I would have just focused on what I did and enjoyed rather than like what everyone else was doing, I could have been, you know, and it could have been whatever. It's it's great. I'm so happy with everything that's happened, but it's kind of like if we can save people. Yes.
0: <laughs> from all of it's that. So true. You know, you just made me think of something. Another thing that happens in this second phase is that you really start to find your sweet spot. Mm-hmm. And when I talk about sweet spot, I always say it's that center spot where you are doing and creating what your ideal customer avatar needs and wants. So you're mm. speaking their language, you're creating for them, you know what they need, and you've got it down. But in in that same place, you are doing what you actually love doing. You're creating the content you love, you're working with the people you love to work with, and you've built a business that you genuinely enjoy. And I don't think you hit that sweet spot in that first phase. Sometimes you do some stuff you don't want to do. You end up on a stage that you're like, these people are not my audience, but I'm just going to get the practice or whatever. (laughs) But you start to find that sweet spot more in phase two and you pay attention like, do I like to do this or do I not like to do this? And because you're bringing in some money, you get to say no to not everything, but some of the stuff you don't want to do.
1: You know, I think that's so good. And I, yeah. So sometimes the phase two stuff can leak into phase three because I just found myself on a stage last year that I was like, oh, whoops, not right, audience. (laughs) Okay, got it. Me too. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, love you guys, but I just realized this was not right. Okay. So stage uh, one, two, and three, obviously, I I think some of the things, especially with female entrepreneurs, is like there's going to be some major problems that arise with relationships. um, Because the whole thing is navigating relationships as well, right? Not only is it important to have people that we, you know, support us around us, but also because to have those people is so important because there's going to be problems that arise, things that come up, challenges that arise that we have never encountered and that feel like are going to take us down. Like, I don't care what phase you're in. You're like, this is a The more you grow, the bigger the problem can grow as well. And I think that's so important to talk about. So phase one, obviously you're going to have everything feel like it's going to stop you and you're just going to keep going. But hopefully you keep going. Phase two, there's some stuff that comes up that you're like, oh my God, nobody else must be dealing with this. This has to just be me. Oh my God, I'm taking this so personal. I did this wrong. What are some of the things that came up for you in phase two that kind of felt like they may take you down? Did you have anything like that?
0: Yes. I mean, I would do, let's say, a promotion and then it didn't sell well. I remember I did a webinar where I only had one sale Mm. and I thought, this is a disaster. Nobody wants what I'm selling. I, I priced it wrong. So those situations came up for me a lot. Or there also were some situations where... I would partner with somebody thinking it was a great idea to work on something together. Uh, That turned out terrible in the moment. and I realized, Mm -hmm. why did I make this decision? So I had some partnering mistakes in those early days and also just launches that didn't work. Mm.
1: What can you... When you're looking back, what do you think... Can you see now exactly what it was with the one sale and with all of the other things that had come up? (laughs)
0: Yeah. So when I look back at that time where I did a webinar and I sold one, I know exactly what it was. I priced the product at $1,000, but I didn't think that I could sell it for Mm $1,000. So, so much of when you look back at some mistakes you made, if you look back around the mindset or what you thought about that, uh, that typically plays a really big part. I did not believe I could sell it for $1,000. So guess what? I did not sell it well for Mm $1,000. So uh, I think I had a lot of mindset issues and road... uh, Mind blocks in the beginning. And I didn't realize that so much about being an entrepreneur was your mind and how you thought about things and what you... The meaning you put to different things. So I didn't do a big... Play or big focus, I should say, on making sure my mind was always in the right place. Even coming off Tony Robbins, you'd think I just would have that in the bag. And I really didn't. That didn't happen until I got into scaling. I work on my mind every day now, mm. where I didn't put a focus like that in the first two phases. And I wish I did.
1: Mm. Okay. So it sounds like that's kind of the answer as you went into really focusing on your mindset. So what does... I I feel like maybe a question that's coming up for someone who's in that exact position right now, right? They're like, okay, well, I need to make money. I would like it to be more because I know I might be resentful if I price it lower and this is really what it feels like it's worth to me, but my mindset is not quite there yet. Would you say if someone does have something that needs to come out or they are launching soon, would you say to price it lower just so they can get right emotionally with where they're at with their mindset or would you say to really
0: like either hold off or do work around it? What would be your best thing you mm, This is such a good question. I've never thought of it like this, but I love this. So if you're getting ready to launch mm-hmm. and you're really afraid of that price point, I say that you do a little bit of combination of both. Maybe you don't go as, as high as you want. Here's the beauty. You could always raise the price. Mm-hmm. But also don't go as low as you'd like. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't feel totally comfortable with that price in the beginning. I think you need to push yourself just a little. I probably pushed myself a little bit too much. And what will help you if we're talking just pricing specifically, which I know we're not, but if I gave you a little tip around pricing, what will help you is, is if you sit down and you really think about what is the value and the benefits of their results if they were to do whatever it is that they're buying and they got results. Focus so much on the possibility and the value and the benefits and not on the features. Here's where I messed up early on in my business. I would talk so much about the features when I would talk about the price. You get Five videos and three cheat sheets and two audios and one live session with me. So I'd focus, I would just talk about that over and over again. Whereas what they wanted to hear is what's possible? If I take your course, if I go through your coaching, what will life look like for me? And if you paint that picture, you will start believing in the value and you will think, holy cow, I should be charging more actually. Mm. So get out of all the features and the, the things you give them and talk about the opportunities and possibilities when they reach that place that you're promising they're going to reach. And when you do that, you start to believe it more. But specifically to answer your question, I'd go a little bit out of your comfort zone, but not so far that you just can't believe it.
1: Oh man, I love that advice so much just because I've launched so many courses, but it doesn't matter. Like we're, We launched a new course, we're on our second launch. And it's so funny because looking back now, I'm like, I wasn't comfortable with the number, So I had a, a bit of trouble selling it on the first round. And now on the second round that I've like, I've actually seen the value if I would have sat knowing and done more visualization around like, I know this offers value. I know what it's done for my life. Like now that I've actually tangibly seen it, I'm like, oh my God, this could be way more expensive. Like I could have definitely charged more. So I love that you're saying almost sit with like that picture it, you know, already being launched and what all these people already have. And then sharing from that place, like you already have a group of people that went through it and are raving about it and experiencing it and talking about what it's done. And that's really powerful. Wow. I love that answer. Okay. God, I love. It. So I think that, how, how do you feel about phase two? I feel good. Okay. I feel good. I feel good about it too. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we're women who are ready for phase three. I think we are. (laughs) So phase three, first of all,
0: what are you starting to experience emotionally? You're starting to think, Oh my gosh, I need help. I, I cannot do this alone. Yeah. In phase two, you might have a VA, maybe one more person on your team. But you don't look at your team and think like, I've built a business with like these this amazing team I'm so proud of. That typically doesn't happen in phase two. Mm-hmm. Phase three is where you start to really focus on the fact that if you want to scale, if you want your business to grow with minimal extra effort and time and money, that's what Scaling is. You're you're continuing to grow, but you're not putting tons of money or time and effort to make that happen. Mm. And so if you want your business to scale, you've got to look at team.
1: Mm. Oh man. See, and I feel like this is never ending after phase three. Uh
0: Like there's (laughs) never ending. Never. You and I are so alike in what we're thinking about all of this because I'm still working on growing my team and finding the right people. and, And I feel like I've been doing it for over a year.
1: I mm, And I just, I, well, once you start doing that, you never see the end of it because it's kind of like the growth of your people within that team and making yes. sure that they're growing and making sure you, yeah. And just, you know, making sure that if it's not the right person that you're You know, you can be the person who can let them go quickly and make those decisions. So yeah,
0: so many. I have made many mistakes in this area. Scaling, Mm -hmm. there's so much room. If you think you're making a lot of mistakes in phase one and two, wait till you get to phase three where there's like so many opportunities to make tons of mistakes. But the great thing is you have more confidence. Mm -hmm. You know, you know how to do this. Like it's funny in my darkest moments when I'll speak to my husband about like, I don't know. I don't know if... What if I lose it all? Like I'm talking dark, dark moments. Like what if I lose it all? Something just happens. And I look at him in that moment and I literally answer my question, but I know how to make money online. Mm -hmm. I know how to rebuild. I know how to do this now. So there's this knowing in phase three that even if things come crashing down, you will rebuild and you will be able to do it again. Now, that's like worst case scenario. But as entrepreneurs, sometimes we need to go there in order just to keep moving forward. Uh, And so... Yeah so you you know how to do it and that is a huge confidence booster you still find yourself comparing yourself to other people at times you find yourself doubting yourself or or thinking, I better take some more risks. All that comes up, but here's the beauty of it. You bounce back. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I went there and now I'm back. Mindset becomes really important. You're, you're stronger in your mindset. You know how to, to shift your mindset quickly. You know when you're going down that rabbit hole and you can come back. So there's so many great things that come with this. But I will say growing your team and learning how to be a good leader, not just a manager, but a good leader, that's where you're likely going to spend a lot of your time.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay, some of the biggest plateaus of phase three.
0: Oh, one of one of the biggest plateaus I think is realizing you can get comfortable really quickly when you're growing an online business and things are going well. So I'm yes. going to speak from <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to speak from personal experience. I have three online courses and I've put them on evergreen, and so literally I could just keep doing that, and I would make money every single day. However, as an entrepreneur, I want to grow. My team wants to grow and do bigger things. And I know that I'm um, destined to do bigger things and make a an I- bigger impact. And so because of that, I can't just stay comfortable. And so one of the plateaus was I, had, I was just cruising along and then I realized, wait a second. I can't continue to do this and be happy with it or make the impact I want to make. So I had to like force myself to get uncomfortable. And I tease with my students, I haven't been uncomfortable for a long time. Mm -hmm. And so I mentioned, I'm kind of making some pivots and reinventing myself in in, in new ways, programs that are more advanced for an audience that might be in phase two and phase three, where typically I live in phase one with my students. There are a lot of beginners, but I want to talk to an audience that they're doing bigger things as well. So anyway, my point being, I had to get uncomfortable and think like, what kind of game do I have to play to attract that right person? Mm -hmm. So for the last like six months, I've been uncomfortable and I want to come out of my skin. (laughs) Mm, Can you share a bit about where you're going? Yeah. So what I want to do is I want to create a membership site for people that have gone through my program. So I have a program to create... How to create online courses and another program of how to launch them online with webinars. So I'm very niched. I know what I teach and I teach it well. But people ask, Well, what do I do now? I've launched my course. I've done really well. But like, what's next? Mm -hmm. And there's so much Like right here in this phase, the scaling phase, building the team and um, creating something new and stepping out of your comfort zone. All of that stuff that I'm going through now... I want to go through it and then I want to coach on it and I want to talk about it and I want to see people create million dollar businesses um, beyond you know what they're doing now. So I've got to step into that. And it's a scary place because I've been very comfortable teaching my newbie students and encouraging them. But it's a different conversation now. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. So I want to talk about that because we definitely have people and this is also a question for myself too. So... If you are so you're launching your courses, you're doing really well. You know, each one gets a little bit better, but there might potentially there's either a mindset block around a seven figure launch or there is a belief system or maybe it's just you don't know what it is that's keeping you from launches like that. What are some of the things that you would tell someone who wants to go from either six figure launches, so let's just say like really taking that next leap to like a seven figure launch is that possible
0: what does that look like what does that take so totally I know that's a possible question from where yeah. we just were <laughs> but i love it i love it i one i think is 100% possible and i think again surrounding yourself with people that have done bigger things to remind yourself of what's possible is really important but here's um something that has helped me immensely I believe that you need to reinvest in yourself and in your business to get there. So one of the things, and I know you and I both believe in this, is to join a mastermind. Mm -hmm. You're in a mastermind. I'm in a mastermind. They're expensive. But when you get into that scaling side of the business, you have the extra funds to reinvest if you choose to. And so getting Uh, extra support at a high level, I think is really important. So either a mastermind that is led by one person who has done amazing things. I think that's important. Number two, maybe you get a coach. So someone coaches you on a weekly or bi-weekly basis Coaches you personally, but they have to have done things that you want to aspire to. So I think reinvesting in yourself and in your business is really important. I'll give you a few things that tell you a few things I've invested in in the scaling phase because I do believe it's going to take me to that next level. So number one... In phase one and two, I was in a mastermind. So I actually invested early on. I did not have the money. I had to pay monthly and it was a stretch for sure. But I invested in a mastermind of other women that were building their businesses. That was really valuable for me. I did that for two years. And then I stepped away from that. And when I was ready to hit that million-dollar mark with my launch, I invested in a coach one-on-one. So it was expensive. I want to say it was like $5,000 $5,000 a month, maybe to get maybe coaching every other week, but it was laser focused coaching. This person knew my business well, the ins and outs, and they had had great success. And so that was worth it to me. That propelled me into my million dollar launches. So that was fantastic. Did they, and real then... quick, did they have success around doing their own launches similar to that? So that's a great question. This was a little... Usually I'd say you want to find someone that has. This Mm -hmm. person had not, but they had major success where I needed it. So I'm so glad you asked this question. I had mindset blocks that were... Uh, not allowing me to get to a higher level revenue-wise in my business. And this person was an expert with performance, um, mindset and performance and going above and beyond what you think you're capable of. So that's where we focused. And for me, I knew the mechanics of launching. I knew I had all the things in place. I just couldn't get there in my mind. Mm -hmm. So you might... like Not you, but whoever's listening, you might have you feel like, you know what? I've done a lot of work on myself. I know it's possible, but I don't know which button to push or Mm -hmm. which strategy to do or which emails to write. Then you would look for someone who had launched before and had great success with that. So Mm -hmm. you got to pick and choose depending on what you need. Mm -hmm. And so that helped me immensely. I needed some mindset shifts. To, to get me to where I got to with that. And then one more thing I'll, I'll share with you. I want to create this membership site. I've never done a membership site before. Um, I am definitely... I don't want to just wing it. I want to put the time, effort, and money into it. And so I paid somebody, Stu McLaren to be exact. I paid Stu McLaren, who's like an expert at membership sites, for a one-day session. And it was really expensive. And I had to fly to Canada. And I don't love to travel for business, if I don't have to, and I got on a plane with my team, we sat there for a full day, and I said, "Tell me what I need to know." And so that's another thing: when you get into the scaling side of business, you look for the experts that are very laser focused on where you want to go, and that's where you reinvest your money. And I feel like that's what's happening most in the scaling um, strategy or scaling uh, phase of your business.
1: Hmm. So what are some of the biggest tools in that phase three that you use? So I was really looking at, especially because I'm in launch right now. So I was like, you know, really examining your site. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, but just, you know, it sounds a lot like you lean heavily on uh, webinars. Are there other tools that you use? Do you do Facebook lives a lot? What are some of the marketing strategies besides... Um, actually, let's talk about all of it for people. What are What's your strategy around email, um, webinars, yes. Facebook, what? When you're going into a launch, let's talk about a potential million-dollar launch. What does that look like for you?
0: Okay. So a potential million-dollar launch, I am definitely one, a creature of habit. Like if it's work for me, I continue to do it, make it better. Mm -hmm. Number two, I do not like a lot of bells and whistles. So... Typically, you won't find me doing a challenge into a webinar, into a three-part video series, and then into some complicated funnel. Like Some people nail that stuff. And I don't. It overwhelms me. Mm -hmm. And so I keep it really, really simple. So for me, I try to get enough time, at least a month to do some pre-launch planning and pre-launch content. So what that looks like specifically is I'll get on Facebook Live every single week. I'll teach on something. I might give away something for free but I'm teaching content that's going to lead me into a Facebook Live that I'll promote a webinar. So I might do that for a month. And on the fourth or fifth one, I'll say, Okay, if you liked this training today, I want to invite you to a webinar. So webinars are my jam. I'm very biased in that in the sense that they just work for me. So I'll do... Let's say I'll keep the cart open for 10 days. And I might do 5 live webinars, all identical, all the same. 2 on day 1 of cart open, 2 on day two of cart open and then maybe one right before cart closes. So at least five live webinars. So I give people a lot of times and dates to get in there. And I fill those up with Facebook ads, Instagram ads, and my email list. I am more aggressive for sure during a launch. And this was a lesson a friend taught me. He said, during a launch, you need to email until you are uncomfortable, until you feel like, Ooh, that's that's a lot of emails. And I did it one time and I thought, Oh, I just don't know about this. And I couldn't believe the difference in revenue. And so definitely like on when my cart closes, there are at least three emails coming out, if not four. Um, Different emails and I'm encouraging them to sign up, but I might tell them a story or a case study or, hey, your time is up kind of thing. But that made a huge difference. So backing up a little, I do these webinars and I spend the bulk of my Facebook ads on getting the webinars filled up. So like, 85% of my revenue for ads is all to get people on these webinars. Mm. The remaining, let's say 15-20%, that ad spend will go to emailing people that signed up for the webinar and sending them directly to the sales page. Mm. So a lot of my ads don't go to the sales page. A lot of my ads just go to the webinar reg page. Really, really, really important. The last thing I'll say is that I do a really big post-webinar promo email sequence. And let's say I've got 5 or 6 days before CART closes after a webinar. There is an email going out every single day. Sometimes if it overlaps a weekend, I won't email on a weekend. Open rates tend to be terrible for me. And so I might skip a weekend but then back at it on Monday. And so I will email every single day le- leading up to that cart close. And I'll always do a Facebook Live right before cart closes, like sometime that day, just a Q&A and answer any questions. And I always have a live chat on my sales page where my team is available to answer any questions. So any high touch, I can get in there, especially in the last moments, I will.
1: Mm. Wow. Thanks for that. Um, <laughs> so good. So important. There's a couple things I'm like, oh my God, I can implement that. And let me ask you about the email sequences because I don't think people understand when you say email enough that it makes you uncomfortable. How many, You have a 10-day cart. So for people who maybe are in that, I know it's seven to 10 days, but I love your 10-day window just because it sounds like in order to give that full experience and fit in everything that you want to fit in there you know, 10 days feels like a good window for that. So you're not like every single day doing something. But as far as emails, how many emails are in that sequence? Is it once a day or is it three times a day every day for the 10 days? Or what does that look like?
0: Great question. So if it's a 10-day launch, meaning the cart opens and the cart closes, and we've got 10 days in between all of that, I will do a few things. If you signed up for my webinar, you are going to get a few emails, just one a day. I typically do not do more than one email a day unless it's the cart close day. So you're going to get an email once a day, leading up to your live webinar to encourage you to show up live, to maybe tell you a story, give you a video. So that's probably 2-3 emails depending on when you signed up for the webinar. Because I typically have people sign up pretty close to when the webinar is going to be live because that helps me get my show up rate up. But if they sign up closer to the actual live webinar, they tend to show up live. So that sign up is important, the timing of that. So anyway, I might send a few emails just to encourage them to make sure they get on live. And then after the webinar, I'll be just one email a day up until cart closes. And if it falls over a weekend, probably won't email on the weekend. Now, some people ask like, what are you sending? A lot of the times I'll talk about the bonuses, or maybe I'll add what we call a mid-cart bonus. Doesn't always happen right in the middle. But We might add an extra bonus for 24 hours. That gives me an excuse to email as well. So that tends to be a really good day when I add a bonus and say, it's only available for 24 hours. And then I don't talk about it afterwards. Mm -hmm. And so that's another excuse to email. I'm looking for reasons that are valuable to email. But once a day typically is what I'll do.
1: Oh, so good. So, I have some people who have asked me, and also this is a question that comes up with my team all the time. But we, so we do bonuses like that throughout, like, you know, it'll be 24 hours just to kind of like incentivize. But some people have mixed feelings on, okay, well, you're giving a bonus in the middle. So, what about the people who bought on the first day? Do you honor that bonus if the, all the emails come in about, like, hey, I
0: bought, why wouldn't I be honored on the first day when I bought? <laughs> Yes. And so we definitely do honor that. So if you've purchased already, you get the bonus. And right. I say that. Okay. I'll say, I've got this brand new bonus. And if you already purchased, don't worry. It's already yours. Hoping that I don't get 20 extra emails in my customer support because I make it clear.
1: Oh, that's Yeah. So brilliant. I
0: actually say
1: it. Okay. Wow. And yeah. that really clears up a lot on the customer service end. Okay. That's yes. massive clarity for all of that. Okay, that's amazing. So what are the last things that you would tell people who are really hoping to get the most out of their launch? Is there anything that they should do throughout? Any intention that they should be holding? Any specific wording that they should really hone in on? Obviously, copywriters are useful, but what if you're doing your own copy? that was like five questions amy uh,
0: so if you're it's good it's good so if you're doing your own copy which many of us are usually whether you're in phase 1 of your business or phase 2 i didn't even have a copywriter till recently so in the like last year so i think most of us are writing our own copy and if that's the case one of the things i think is really important is to find maybe two or three objections that you just know are coming up a lot and i want you to weave that through everything that you do. One of the tricks that I have that helps me a lot with messaging during a launch is I'm very clear like what's going to stop them from buying. And I'll give you a little trick. On a webinar, right before I go into the live q and I've already told them about my program and that they can buy it and I've given them a link and I'll say, Okay, we're going to go into a live Q&A now. Any questions you have, I'm here to answer them. But before I do, at this moment, you might be thinking and then I just go through exactly exactly what's keeping them from buying. So I'll say, you might be thinking, I want to buy your course, Amy, but I don't have an email list. Is it too soon for me? And then I talk about that. And then the next one, I want to do this, but I'm so busy. I can't even find time to focus on another course. Then I address it. So whatever it is that they're thinking, I genuinely address it with a solution for them so we can wipe out those objections right away and we can go into a Q and A that's going to serve them. But I also use those in my emails. Like I might even have a subject line that says, like, I cannot buy another course. I have three that I haven't finished. Mm-hmm. And so I talk about why they haven't finished and why this would be different. So I really drill into those throughout the entire launch.
1: Oh man, that's so incredibly good. So Amy, I could talk to you for like four more hours. I'm not even I know. Um, Because truly, I just want to recognize you for really honing in on your craft and going through every single phase and every th- single question. And I can tell that you have spent so much time with each individual customer, but also getting really vulnerable to share exactly where you were at to understand um, your people. So... I know so many people are number one salivating to work with you right now because I'm like eating out of your hand. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I, first of all, just want to ask if there's anything else that you want to share before we go.
0: I just want to share that no matter where you are, you will always feel as though you don't have total firm ground, like uh, footing. And I think that is normal. So whether I'm in the scaling phase now or not too long ago, I felt like I was just starting out. You never feel like 100% like, I've nailed it and I've got this phase down. Mm-hmm. You'll always have those doubts that creep in. Like I said, though, it's just easier that you are able to snap back from them as you move through these different phases. So give yourself a little grace.
1: Oh, So powerful and so true. I mean, I, I so mirror that. I just want to thank you again for coming on. And where can we all find you? Where can we follow you? And how can we work with you?
0: Thank you so much for asking. So I am at amyporterfield.com, but you could probably get the most value with my podcast, Online Marketing Made Easy. So if you love podcasts, which I'm sure you do, if you're listening to Lori, so you can check that out. And then how you would work with me is I have these three different courses and you can learn all about them on my podcast. And you can get on a free webinar and get some value there. So thanks so much for asking.
1: Oh, I'm so grateful. And honestly, I just, I think... The value that you offer for free alone is mind-blowing, not to mention I can imagine for the people who are ready for that next phase, which I think is so many of the listeners of actual tangible um, courses to help them through uh, to where they know they need to go. So, so grateful for you. Thank you so much for coming on. And I always end on one last question. Are you ready? Oh, yes. Okay. So you've got like 30 seconds with a stranger. It's like in an elevator or wherever, but... (laughs) Sounds like such a weird question at first. Uh, And they look over at you and they ask you, how can I make myself happy? What do you say?
0: Love yourself no matter what and all your imperfections and everything that is about you. Just embrace it and love it. I know it's easier said than done, but I truly think it's the road to happiness.
1: Mm, So beautiful. You guys, if you loved this podcast as much as I did and you know someone who needs it, make sure you share it with a friend. And until next time, earn your happy. Bye, everyone. Thank you guys so much for spending this time with me on the Earn Your Happy podcast. I am so glad that you stopped by. If you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would love it, that would be absolutely amazing and we would be forever grateful. Also, please leave us a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving us an honest thought, an honest comment. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you want to hear more of. It would really help us out on our journey to helping thousands and thousands of people. Until then, don't forget to earn your happy. Thanks again, guys. Bye-bye.